0: Welcome back to Beyond Classified. I'm Chris Matthew. Today my guest is Ben Joseph Stewart. He is a filmmaker, musician, producer, artist, and father, and he's creator of several documentaries including DMT Quest, Esoteric Agenda, and Limitless. He is also creator of the Ben Stewart Podcast and the Waking Infinity series. Ben, welcome. How you doing?
1: I'm doing excellent, man. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, I've been looking forward to this. Like I was telling you before, I love your work. You have so many amazing documentaries and projects in general that cover All the topics that are really nearest and dearest to my heart, you know, psychedelics, esoteric, the occult, the true nature of our hidden reality, all my favorite stuff. And there's so many directions we can go and that I really want to go. But first, let's start with more about yourself, more about your your background and what led you to start your research and ultimately making films.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... Man, I've, I've, I've done this into so many times that it's like um, I can go all the way back to the beginning where uh, I was an army brat. I was traveling the world nonstop. Um, I, I can't remember the exact amount of places that I lived before I hit high school, but it was just ridiculous. So constantly moving uh, in and out of the country, uh, Hawaii, um, Kwajalein in the Marshall Islands, which is a tiny grouping of islands with the Marshallese culture their uh, matriarchal culture, uh, shamanic culture. They invented the bikinis. (laughs) Um, so I I lived amongst some interesting groups growing up. And, um, and then all of a sudden, once I got back to the main 48, started getting into sports, started getting into medicine, um, Uh, and when I say medicine it's really psychedelic medicine at like age 14, I started getting into that, got into music heavy. Um, and then right around the time I was getting out of high school, I was still 17. I decided to enlist in the military, which was an interesting move for me, but I was in the military for six years. And in that time, I really got to just see what the military was all about. And then also it kind of opened my not that I had a, a small mind about the world because I had traveled a lot, but I didn't really understand the United States and the military industrial complex's role in foreign politics and just in the world at large. And it really started to hit me when I was in the military. And um, when you're in the military, whether you're in uniform or not, you... You represent the military, so you can't go on podcasts, not that there were them back then, but you can't go out and be outspoken about what is happening in the military when you're in the military. So as soon as I got out in 2006, that was when I really started um, in my music. I was in a band. We were touring. We played Lollapalooza. We were nonstop touring the country. And I've, I finally just started getting really vocal about what I saw was going on in the world. And then people started asking me, like, what's, what is, what's driving all this lyrical content? We can tell um, that you're really passionate about this. So I decided in proper artistic fashion to, instead of just answering their question with words, I, I made a film. Never did any demo reels, never did any video editing before. I just hopped straight into making this film. And that's what got me into researching was I realized I wanted to talk about what I was seeing in the world. But as I was researching in the course of making the film, everything I researched expanded my mind more and more and more. So I was in this kind of like um, the fool and the tarot at the beginning of a journey, you know, uh, like I was consuming as much content as I possibly could. And I made a film called Esoteric Agenda that came out in 2000, late 2007. And around the the launch of that, so many people had seen it, like millions of people had seen it. And this was before YouTube. It was all in Google videos. That launched people into emailing me saying like, please make another film like the very last 10, 15 minutes of that film. And that film was primarily, it was talking about conspiracy, it was talking about the distortion of time, it was talking about um, mainstream media and corporate media and how they use logos and sound and and visuals, you know, as um, hypnotic entrainment. And that was, but the very last 15 minutes is when I told people like, listen, this whole esoteric agenda, the real conspirator is you, the real power is inside of you. And people were like, I love that point. Can you drive it home deeper in another film? So I drove it home in this film called Kymatica. And that was really my number one film. That won New York Independent Film Festival for Best Scientific Film. It was a lot about the psyche. It was a lot about who in, in, in group think, who's really doing the thinking. And so... Um, uh, I started just kind of laying out that really the, the the ailments and the problems that we see in the world. We love it when we can point the finger outside and purely say, "Oh, it's their fault! It's their fault! It's their fault!" And then I think the next step up from that is really taking personal responsibility and saying, like, despite the fact that all of these things were present before I was born. That doesn't mean that I need to sit in this downward spiral of, oh, the world is shit. Look at all these people. They're they're making it worse. If you focus on what is my part, how can I leave this world a better place, even if I may not save the entire world from its demise, what can I do to add beauty and goodness to this world? And that was what that film was really about. And that point was really the pivotal point when I realized this is what I've been put on planet earth to do is to build bridges is not just to scare people with conspiracy content and not just to like puff people up or stroke them off with a lot of new age content. It was really to use art to bridge the gap between those, the the aspects of reality we wish weren't true with the aspects of reality we wish were true and really are true, but we don't believe it because we've been told that there's a limit to human potential and that we are just these minuscule one in seven billion specks on a floating rock in space, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I I started realizing that everything that we were told, you can break down. I'm not going to say everything's a lie. I think that's, that's a little bit much, but I do believe that if you treat everything as a potential lie, then you will look deeply into it and use your own powers of discernment and your own consciousness to really look at something rather than just pass it off with somebody else's explanation of it. So to me, that's what set me on the path that I'm on now. I'm constantly making film. I'm constantly making news content, podcasts, what have you, that really circle around that. Let's let's not ignore what's going wrong in the world, but let's not ignore the fact that we science has not close the book on human potential. There's so much more to human potential than we've ever given ourselves credit for.
0: And I think that this is kind of intentional in this community to get people lost in the conspiratorial waters and get so into and deep into some of these rabbit holes that they're not focusing on, The solutions and what can be done to uh, counter the problems, they're just getting stuck in this and it's a kind of a repeating pattern that is rampant in, you know, I hate to say this community, but it is, you know, a lot of people just focus on all these negative things and they bring themselves down because they're too lost in all the, the, the troubles that are in the world instead of kind of analyzing it and making it understandable and making it better for yourself. Uh, And I think that's one of the the huge things that's lost. Now, for me, one of the huge parts of my journey when it comes to that self-realization was psychedelics. And I want to get your your take on this. I know your uh, film DMT quest was amazing. And I've not done DMT yet. I've had plenty of psychedelic experiences with LSD, magic mushrooms, and a couple of others, and very profound experiences. Um, I mm-hmm. do look forward to, to having an ayahuasca journey one day. I uh, just haven't had the chance to. But for you, how um, crucial was psychedelics to your journey?
1: Oh, man, it was pivotal. It was pivotal. <clears throat> My good friend Dan Engel, um, he's a concussion repair guy, Um, he said it best. He's like, there's life before Aya and there's life after Aya. And the thing about ayahuasca, that doesn't sum up all psychedelics. Um, All psychedelics seem to have the same ability to reliably break apart your preconceived notions of, of what reality actually is. Everyone that I know, whether you're an atheist, whether you're spiritual, whether you're religious, doesn't matter what you what background you're coming from psychedelics seem to show you that you were wrong about a lot you know and that also there's this thing inside you that has always known we're connected in some way and i just i was worried to say it because it sounded too new agey but now i realize now that i've done psychedelics that no we really are there's this pattern underlying all phenomena in the universe and so it was pivotal for me. And actually, it was pivotal for me in filmmaking as well. And everything you said about the uh, conspiracy community, as um, there's, it's the same as every community. I'm just going to tangent real quick. Every mm-hmm. community has the, the squeakiest wheel, is like the bottom 5%. And I don't say this in a derogatory fashion because even college has this. The kids who just get out of college, they have a ton of knowledge and not a lot of wisdom, right? It's a lot of book smarts, but it's not applied. It's not battle tested. And what I notice is they, they have to be the squeakiest wheels. They have to be the loudest advocates for it. But it's the people who just get into conspiracy that are the loudest. They're screaming into megaphones on the street. They are, you know, yelling and, and trolling people's um, social media accounts. And the same goes for psychedelic communities. When people just get into the psychedelic community, you um, a lot of what I see happen, some of the pitfalls that people go into is this. It can bring on this messianic complex, this, oh, my God, I'm a shaman. Oh, oh, you just you just did m- mushrooms once. And it's like, I know, but I got this download. And it's just like, OK, but anybody who has been in this space for a while knows that if you get a download, don't take it so literally that you feel like it was a message from God, because it could just be a very, very clear message from part of your higher intelligence, but then you cut off transmission and you say, well, I just am that now that I've had this experience, I just am that Messiah. It's like, no, that is the peak of your potential. And it's it's like, I, I'm five, nine. I could potentially slam dunk if I really, really tried, right? That's the peak of my potential slam dunk a 10, a 10 foot rim, but I can't do it yet but if i were to see in psychedelics like whoa i have the power to slam dunk right and then i go around telling people that i can slam dunk and they're like all right prove it right and i wouldn't be able to do it and then i say well i don't know what's wrong today but i am i am and this is what i notice is that there's this introductory phase where people get into things like conspiracy and psychedelics and they, they have to go through this trial phase, this initiation or rite of passage, if you will. And what's actually the most important thing is the integration process, not getting your mind blown out by psychedelics, but battle testing what you've learned in the face of people who haven't had your experience. So this is what I noticed when I got into conspiracy is I wanted to be the guy at the I didn't want to be the guy at the party. I just turned into the guy at the party where everyone else is telling dick and fart jokes. And here I am talking about building seven and nine eleven, you know, and, and like I'm the guy with the buggy eyes and everyone else is just looking for a way out of the conversation. It didn't take me very long because I was in a band at the time and my band wasn't into the stuff that I was talking about. They still loved me dearly, but they were like, "Yo, Ben, you need to stop talking sometimes. And that was when it really hit me like, whoa, okay, there's a way to do this and there's a way not to do this. It's not just about like barking out everything you've learned to people so you can be this like high almighty knower. And that's kind of what, that's the link between psychedelics and conspiracy that I've come to realize is both can help crack open your worldview. Both can send you down a negative spiral both can actually send you up a very positive spiral and i am sure maybe some listeners would be how the hell would conspiracy send you on this positive inspiring spiral it's happened to me it's happened to a ton of people who've seen my films where if you see it and you realize oh man this this definitely explains a lot but it you know it doesn't Typecast me. It doesn't make me this one in 7 billion people. I'm just a number. When I saw Zeitgeist, I saw Zeitgeist on mushrooms and it woke me up. And the combination of psychedelics and a conspiracy film made me into a filmmaker and it made me focus on human potential, not what's going wrong like all the time, but focus on human potential. So I think psychedelics, I think their power lies in breaking down some of the preconceived notions that lock us out of the higher realms of our potential. I think the problem with psychedelics is the same as the problem with um, conspiracy, is sometimes it can lock us into a belief structure that the world is just this amorphous blob and all this other stuff, and none of the stuff we used to believe has any validity right? When people start believing, oh, like I can fly and did you know time is just a construct and like, oh, this isn't real. It's just an illusion, right? Walk out into oncoming traffic and tell me this is just an illusion. Stick your hand in a fire for 30 seconds and tell me time is just a construct of your imagination. It still has its impact and psychedelics and conspiracy, they can lock you into realms or they can crack you out of realms and it all comes down to your intention. Do you intend to be taught, or do you intend to become the Messiah that teaches? That's the main, it's a very wobbly knife's edge that people stand on. Sometimes they come out of conspiracy and psychedelics and they're like, I know everything now. I have to teach everybody. And sometimes they go into it and their mind is blown and they're like, oh man, I, I want to read every book under the sun, listen to every podcast, watch every documentary. I just want to talk to people. I want to hear their feelings. I want to hear it resonating in their in their voice. Those are the people that like I, I jam well with those people. They, they realize that no matter what, even if you're a sage, even if you've read every book you could po- possibly read on a topic, you're still the student. You you're not above listening and listening well and learning how to listen ever more presently. So, I hope I answered your question oh, about yeah, psychedelics. I think
0: you're spot on, 100 percent with that. Um, I've I've witnessed it myself, and I've gone through the experience uh, of you know of growing and having a new understanding of what the what my experience is on this earth and my role however small it is amongst the role of the masses in our collective consciousness and i I realized that after you know a couple of like psychedelic experiences how you know uh i fit into a small piece of a larger much larger picture and it's the same with everybody and i'm here to learn and that's like that's the main thing i'm i'm always wanting to you know absorb new things and the main thing that i always say is uh you know if if i be- if i have a a theory or i think something may be some way uh, it's probably going to change and it's, you know, it, it, I'm de- always definitely open to new ideas and I'm ready to have my paradigm shifted if it is indeed, uh, you know, what needs to be happening and the the information uh, resonates with me. So I'm mm-hmm. constantly shifting my paradigm when it comes to stuff like that. Now, uh, as far as psychedelics and their role today and in the future and why uh those in charge kind of um give gave it a bad name and uh, shunned it from society let's go back a little bit to the history do you think that uh, psychedelics had a large role in human evolution
1: yeah man dude i mean i i could take us through a lot of history it looks like seventy thousand years ago psychotropic berries in a cave where cave paintings were uh found Um, might be some of the earliest remnants of altering our state of consciousness in order to access different information. And um, this isn't just psychedelics. We've done this historically with all kinds of rites of passages. I mean, you probably know if you were to go a couple days without eating, even one day without eating, you're gonna alter your consciousness because your brain has neurology. That changes the way you feel and the way you feel changes the way that you think and the things that you think about. Throughout history, tribes have used rites of passages where down in Brazil, they'll they'll stick their hands into these gloves that have these bullet ants and they'll get bit Mm. by 50 to 100 bullet ants. That alters their consciousness. They'll go out and do a vision quest naked in the woods for days, and they can't come back to the tribe until they catch something or or kill a predator. Um, they'll you know the the Sundance festival of the Lakota, where they will go days um, dancing in the heat of the sun, no water. They'll put spikes through their chest, uh, tied to a tree, and run, and then this will rip their the the muscles of their chest out, like. Grotesque stuff, but if you think about it, what is the purpose of it? Getting beyond the mutilation and getting beyond the why would you starve yourself? Why would you go naked into the woods looking for an animal to kill? Uh, It's the same thing with psychedelics. Um, Altering our consciousness, it alters the environment inside of our body. And the environment inside of our body has an electromagnetic signature that bleeds outside of our body. And we know that with plants, animals, and humans, that the environment shapes, not just our, uh, you know, it shapes our genes in a phenotypic way, which means like if you were to, you know, take seeds of a plant, plant one in one country and one in another country, they'll grow differently phenotypically because of the region, because of the minerals, because of the climate, all that kind of stuff. So yes... Everything we've done with our minds, with psychedelics, with rites of passages, they've changed who we are as humans. War changes who we are. Um, so now lead it all the way up into the 1900s. Um, I, I'm skipping a lot because there, there was a lot of persecution for specific plants uh, even cannabis was at the origin of almost every major religion today and is shunned by those major religions today, even though it was likely the core impetus for the religions to actually have some of their major stories. Um, so all the way up into today, the world starts becoming more global. In the 1900s, uh, late 1800s, there were ethnobotanists from Europe that were going down into South America, all throughout the rest of the world, and finding ibogaine in Africa, ayahuasca in South America, uh, mushrooms in Oaxaca, Mexico, um, different kinds of mushrooms for the Siberians out in you know uh, the Siberian plateau, and once there was this understanding where all this information, like data, think of data collection today the data of all these psychedelic plants were finally starting to circle in the scientific communities. And the scientific communities were in bed with the Rockefellers, the the Rothschilds, some of the biggest financial interests. And at that time, it started to be realized that there are these very powerful class of plants called psychedelics, and we need to understand them more. So the first thing that I believe was done was in, it was even before the 1970s, but 1971 was when w- Richard Nixon passed the um, uh, the Controlled Substances Act. This made all psychedelics more illegal than some of the most damaging drugs out there. Like, you know, cannabis became more illegal than cocaine. And I think the reason for this was because not for care of our mental health or, you know, because we might become addicts. I think it's because it's understood that these were very powerful healing modalities and the Roth uh, or the Rockefellers had just taken homeopathy and turned it into allopathic medicine just a few decades before. So there's all all of a sudden these, this magic class of plants that we need to study before people get their hands on it. And it gets out of our hand, it gets out of our control. So they lock it down for a while. And I guarantee you it was being studied by the Department of the Army, the Navy. It was you know, being studied by the CIA. It was definitely being sprayed over France by the CIA here in the United States, um, over a town in France where LSD was sprayed over them. They thought they were going insane. Many people were hospitalized. Then it was declassified later that the CIA had done it. So they were testing this out to see how could this be weaponized? How could this be um, not just weaponized as in the military will use it, but once things become weaponized and then it's it's so well crafted, then you can turn it into the 1984 and Brave New World kind of weapon where it's commercialized, weaponized, then commercialized, and then brought to market as a safe thing that we all can do. It wasn't safe before when the indigenous were doing it for up to 5, 10, 15,000 years with very low casualty rate, um, very high success rate, and in like massive um, generations of empirical wisdom. But now it's safe because white people in white lab coats have studied it for the past 30 years, right? And so now- I I bring you through this history to tell you where psychedelics are going. If people haven't asked themselves why psychedelics have been picked up by IPOs, publicly traded companies for the past five, 10 years, same thing with cannabis, but psychedelics, all these companies started becoming IPOs, publicly traded psychedelic companies where they're trying to refine the molecule, amplify it. Put it into a patch or put it into a pill and then basically say, look what we discovered. Even though the indigenous discovered it long ago, we performed genocide. We took all their resources and now we're repackaging it to say, look at this great brand new psychological uh, psychological mental health medicine that we have now. So the future of it, I brought you through a lot of history. Now yeah. the future of it is the metaverse. And I sent you an article right before uh, we got on. And it's yeah, this I'm article a link that's... To
0: that uh, in the description for anybody that wants to see that while uh, listening.
1: Perfect. Uh, and this is just one article. I, I was calling this out on the Tim uh, Tim Pool uh, or TimCast IRL show a while ago, and then I start seeing articles about it. The metaverse is more than just virtual reality. It's virtual town squares where you get to hang out. So you're not just in it with, uh, you know, non-player characters where everybody is, is literally programmed by a human. Um, many of them can be humans and you can be anywhere. You can be on Mars. You can be in the Grand Canyon. You can be wherever you want. Um, you can be in fantasy worlds. Fully immersed with uh, not just heads up display, you know, these goggles that you put on, but also the, uh, in the ears as well. And then haptic suits, which are these vibratory suits that make it feel like if somebody hits you, the haptic suit can send a signal to that very spot on your body so it feels more real. And then on top of that, now enter in these patches that you can put on somebody's arm that is a cocktail of MDMA, ketamine, and a little bit of mushrooms. And you put this transdermal patch and it goes into your system and it says, about 15 minutes after you put the patch on, put the headphones on, put, you know, put the, the, um, the virtual reality goggles on, put your haptic suit on and lay back. And then you have this wild psychedelic experience in a world that's not real. So now you've just changed what you, you were asking me if psychedelics have um, been any kind of an impetus for human evolution. Yes, because psychedelics and psychotropics make you more suggestible to input. When you're more suggestible to input, you're less likely to reject something as not real. You know, if you were to get an ear piercing, sometimes people's bodies can reject it, sometimes people's bodies accept it. In that same scenario, if the virtual reality world you're in, you're like, yeah, this is, this is almost real it's better than nintendo way back when this is a lot more real but i'm still not buying it oh you haven't put on the haptic suit and the the mdma patch to make you feel like oh fuck i don't care if this is real this is better than the real world and then all of a sudden people start having these peak moments these transcendental mystical types of experiences not in nature so that is now changing potentially 70,000 plus years of evolution where we have done these plants in the womb of nature, where nature is all around us. We're hearing the crickets, those frequencies that they give off, the frogs, the, the animals, the wind on us. Now, take all that away. You're in a controlled climate environment. You just have all this gadgetry hooked up to you, sounding like the matrix, isn't it? And you have this patch that changes your hormonal, and neurological makeup in order for it to be more real. That's where I'll leave it uh, because I'm sure everyone can tell where I'm going with this.
0: That's absolutely terrifying. Now, I want to bring it a few steps further and maybe branch out into some different directions from there. All right, so I was going to ask you about your thoughts on entity contact in psychedelics and whether these entities you kind of touched on it earlier would be our higher selves or something outside of that now if it is something outside of that add in everything you're saying and what could be the possibilities in that scenario what do you think about that
1: That that's a very interesting question i i believe that at a certain level everything is connected so everything you encounter and and this is going to like you know, Taoism all the way to the deepest philosophies of what reality is. My deep understanding through experience, and I'm not saying that means it's right, that just means it's been fortified by decades of experience with this philosophy, is that the deeper I look at this philosophy, it may change um, cloaks or garments, but it really starts getting deeper and deeper that we are all connected. So let's say you were to do DMT and you have this experience that many people have had insectoid types of beings, clockwork elves, different kinds of entities that seem vastly more intelligent. Uh, Sorry, if you you can hear that, that's, um, they just started mowing the lawn right outside. (laughs) Sorry. Okay, good. Um, Vastly higher intelligence. These beings seem to have and reliably brought about by smoking DMT, sometimes by ingesting DMT with an MAOI like ayahuasca that allows it to pass through the liver without breaking down the DMT so it can make it to the brain and give you that DMT experience stretched out. Sometimes on ayahuasca, which the very last time I had ayahuasca, I did have experience with some insectoid praying mantis types of beings. The way that I perceive that is on some level, they are separate from me because I get to witness them as separate beings. But on the the truest, most fundamental level, they're not separate from me. So it is an aspect of my higher self because my higher self is the one phenomena that's happening in the universe. There's only one thing, and that's my, that, my truest, uh, deepest belief. Now with that, the contact with these beings is getting pretty interesting, all the way to the fact that Imperial College London is, they've already conducted several studies, but it's called extended state DMT, where people are injected, infused with a, um, an anesthesiology machine. I think it's called the Henry Boyle machine. And it infuses you with a certain dosage um uh, a loading dose at first and then a a a maintenance dose afterwards to keep you in the dmt state for as long as you want to be there now for those who don't understand um dmt has like a 15 minute duration sometimes for people who are super sensitive maybe 20 minute duration And a lot of people who have had these experiences with these entities and these beings, they come to find that it's like, just as I start establishing contact, I'm ripped out of the experience because the DMT experience is so short. So for a while, people have been documenting this. There's trip reports, thousands and thousands of trip reports online on Erowid and on other, um, I think, tripreport.com, where you can see people are saying, This is more real than real. And I'm coming back with information, even just like little tidbits of information that there's no way I could have known. And then I battle test it and it really seems like, yeah, this information is is factual in a philosophical sense. Um, So almost like remote viewing. But, you know, not not about like specific details. So thousands and thousands of people are talking about this all the way to where Imperial College London and Johns Hopkins University are stepping into this kind of research. Now, I have to preface this by saying that I'm sure that many of them are very interested in the potential reality that there are beings that we're actually connecting to. So, Johns Hopkins, Imperial College London, they want to know for sure. And they're doing this extended state DMT to keep people in DMT for long periods of time so they can come back with more information. There's two elements to this. One is this idea that there's a fixed, concrete, external reality, that we're all independent consciousnesses. And if we can come into contact, then it's like, oh, you found their phone number. You connected with the mantid beings from, you know, uh, whatever constellation, we need that information because it's specific and concrete and external to us, meaning it exists regardless of whether we exist. That's one worldview and philosophy. I believe there's a simultaneous philosophy at these very universities that believes that it doesn't matter whether these are actual beings or just a consistent archetypal phenomena that a lot of people are having. We can use it we can use this information. So if a bunch of people are having these archetypal insectoid or light beings that are talking to them, if if a lot of people are having similar experiences, that means we can use whatever they come back with and tell us as a way to mold and shape human psychology. Because the more we understand human psychology, regardless of its, uh, of its factual basis in an external concrete reality, If a lot of people are having the experience, we can use it. We can put an algorithm around it to to extract all the data and all the connections we can find from it and potentially weaponize it. And then once we refine it even more, then we can commercialize it. You notice I keep coming back to the stepping stone process. First, you shut shit down. Nobody's allowed to look at this because it's bad for you. Oh, but we're going to study it. And then what, what are we going to do when we study it? And I'm talking about elite control groups. I'm not just talking about governments. I'm talking about um, elite powers, so even private powers. They study it. They find out how to weaponize it. They find out how to commercialize it, as in products and stuff like that. But the weaponization of it doesn't go away. Once it turns into the, the psychedelics are the new mental health cure, like it's the new mental health revolution. That sounds like all these interests are really trying to solve mental health. And a part of that is true. But I would say the deepest part of that is once you've weaponized it, you understand the human psyche more. And now you get people on these suggestible pills. You've dosed it right so you know exactly how much they're taking. And now let me just take it one step further. Have you heard of the Internet of Bodies?
0: No, I have not.
1: Okay, so the Internet of Things is the connection between like your phone, your tablet, your computer, the cloud, other people's computers. That's the Internet of Things, like everything through the 5G grid connected and communicating in real time to the point where people's ketchup bottles or their refrigerators are monitoring what's in the refrigerator, all the way to this thing called the Internet of Bodies, which are um, wearables like Fitbit's. Uh, Apple watches that kind of like check uh, check on your vital statistics and send that to the cloud or wearables like, let's say, uh, a, a device that connects to your head and transcranial magnetic stimulation that connects with your neurology or pills that you take a pill and it has a little device inside of it that once you've swallowed it, it signals out to your doctor to tell your doctor you've you know, this This patient has taken his medicine or her medicine. And there's people in the World Economic Forum that are really, really pushing for this. So that's the internet of bodies to make sure that you've taken your medicine, to send your vital statistics without you having to do anything to the cloud, to an external data congregating um, industry. Mm. With that, there's there's one other element of this, smart pacemakers pacemaker of this guy in ohio he lit his house on fire and to collect uh, insurance and his pacemaker was able to testify against him in the court to show that he was the arsonist holy shit it's in his body and it's testifying against him this is a brand new world that we're living in so now go back to this what i was saying about psychedelics Imagine these multi-billion and one-day, multi-trillion-dollar psychedelic companies, publicly traded companies. And when I say publicly traded, do you know what that means? That means about 13 companies own the dominant share, 13 companies with maybe about 100, 200 people making the decisions for everything that's publicly traded, uh, 13 to 17 companies. So with that being said, now the financial class the predominant financial class is able to tell if you've taken your psychedelic medicine or not. And if you haven't, next time you go to the doctor, the doctor says, why, why haven't you been taking your medicine and tries to encourage you to get onto a regular schedule? The biggest problem that I see with this is just read 1984, read brave new world, watch the movie. um, Is it the Island? With uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett mm-hmm. Johansson, where they're like their they're clones grown underground. And, and then when they think, oh, we get to get out of here, we're going to the island. But they're really just being harvested for their parts. So every time Ewan McGregor would go and take a piss, the smart toilet, which Stanford University is working on now and just about has it ready for market, Every time you and McGregor would piss into the smart toilet, the smart toilet would talk back to him and be like, it looks like you're eating a bit too much sodium. It looks like you didn't take your pills yesterday. It looks like blah, 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 blah. So now you have AI reporting on you if you don't take your medicine. So this is, this is the direction I feel like that we're getting into, especially with the World Economic Forum and where they're headed into this. Um, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy about it. That's really the subscription-based model. Everyone has Spotify now. Barely anyone buys their music, meaning if at any point Spotify decides to cancel you, which if you think, oh, they would never do that, think again. All companies that are subscription-based models, meaning they own everything of theirs, you get access to it if you pay monthly. But as soon as they decide you're not worthy, they can cancel you. All that money you paid, you don't get any of that product. You only get the memory of the experience you had with them. So now we're stepping into this world where everything's subscription based. Everything is controlled by the financial class, monitored through data and monitored through the 5G grid and the Internet of Things all the way down to the Internet of bio nano things, which get inside your body and report on you from a nanostructure inside your body. So I know I took that from psychedelics all the way down to the nanostructure of the body, but this is where colonization is headed. Colonization isn't just white people came over to the new world and exterminated, you know, brown and red people. This is getting all the way down to your psyche and the nanostructure of your DNA and your cellular biology is being colonized. Psychedelics are helping you become suggestible. And I'm 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 a firm advocate of psychedelics done in their indigenous original container. I am not a fan of what I'm seeing happening with psychedelics um, through IPOs, because they're not respecting any of the history. and in fact, they want to erase the history. They want to make it seem and and, and I'm making a blanket statement here. so I, I want to be honest about that. I haven't researched every single company, but I would hazard to say that it doesn't matter what company you go to and what their ethos is, they're under the thumb of those 17, you know, 13 to 17, um, companies that control the entire financial class. That's the world that we're finding ourselves in. Psychedelics or no psychedelics. Uh, I'm trying to get people to wake up to this without what we were talking about at the beginning, this, this conspiracy thing, thinking, oh my God, the world and the problems of the world are too big for me. I'm just this little one in seven billion um, little speck of dust. I'm trying to get people to wake up to what's actually happening in the world, so then we can step up into our potential and there's reason to do it. Like If you're comfy, if you're fat and lazy on your sofa, Netflixing and chilling all the time, there's nothing that's pressuring you to step into your potential. So I'm actually saying that all these things I'm talking about, the conspiracy in the world, is a good thing, but only if we utilize it for the potential that it holds. If we acknowledge, shit, something must be done, this is something that we need to wake up to. And then we step up into our potential because there's a reason. We want future generations to have more freedom than we have today. We don't want this general trend towards an er erosion of our freedoms to where everything is a subscription-based model. We don't want that for our children. That's my inspiration to step into my higher potential for my children and their children and their children.
0: Right on, man, 100 percent. Now, I want to get to the connections to human health and pharmaceuticals and our whole medical industry and how it's basically kind of grooming us to this uh, metaverse age that you're talking about, this transhuman age that we're going to. But first, you mentioned how, uh, you know, the that the natural psychedelics. Well, for me, the natural psychedelics have a major, I notice a major difference between them. So, say magic mushrooms, you know, those uh, have always been my go-to because it's a spiritual experience for me every time. I feel like it's a spiritual experience. I learn something. Whenever I get in touch with my higher self, it... it it actually encourages me to take care of childhood trauma, to research things that have happened in my past, to, you know, work on myself. And it's a much more spiritual experience than, say, LSD. When I've taken LSD in the past, it's like, you know, makes me want to go out and party or to, like, you know, uh, hang out with friends or, or, or to a dance club or something stupid, you know, something that kind of connects me into the, the material world. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering these new kind of cocktails that you're talking about that they're wanting to implement what that could do to the human psyche as far as maybe pulling us away from the spiritual aspects that we seek in nature when we're doing these more natural psychedelics like ayahuasca or magic mushrooms.
1: Yeah, you know, this is a really interesting um, territory to get into because there's two elements to this. I totally agree. You know, LSD does not have the same depth to it that mushrooms or ayahuasca does. However, it's not that it can't. Like I've had, uh, I've had profoundly transformative experiences on LSD, but I was ready for it. And it's not always, it, it, it can't always get there. The one thing that I wanna say is, <clears throat> there is this thing about the passage of time where the old world we are we are rapidly leaving the old world, and it breaks my heart that if you look at what spirituality has almost throughout time been connected with nature the the elements um the earth the trees the plants the animals their their meaning their significance, and what we're talking about is when you do a psychedelic you're you're really looking at things in a novel way, and you're really like let's say our ancestors, they would, you know, take some psilocybin mushrooms. And I mean, this could even been like a hundred thousand years ago, take some psilocybin mushrooms. And then all of a sudden they see an eagle, right? A bald eagle. And this eagle swoops down and it picks up a fish from the water and it goes up to a tree and it sits there and it perches and it starts eating that um, fish. Under the influence of a psychedelic, you you can look into that and be like, Whoa, I understand this in a whole new level that these creatures from the sky, you know, you know, can move down into the water to catch their food and the water element, like, what is it? It's always flowing, it's always taking the form of whatever vessel that it's in. And the same with the air on the outside, and and like, you know, the, the there's these creatures that their wings bat the air and they come down and they eat these, these creatures that their fins flap the water, but not the other way around. You're not seeing fish eat birds. Like this is an interesting phenomenon. They're breaking down the meaning. You see what's happening is a psychological process of teasing apart the meaning of an event that, that, that individual witnessed. And this gives rise to all these totem meanings of animals or animal cards or divination and ways of teasing apart meaning that's already in front of us, like tarot. I don't know if you know this, but tarot is not predictive of the future. It's reflective of your consciousness. So if you do a tarot spread, yeah, like it's a, a lot of people will, you know, dismiss tarot thinking that, oh, it's just it doesn't have any intelligence. Well, intelligent people made this, and these are archetypal aspects of this multidimensional prism called life. And when you take these cards and you reflect upon the symbols and you read the meaning of it, you're discerning it based upon your context. So I, I, I need to give that kind of preface to say that when you take psychedelics and then you go into the metaverse, You can still go through that process. Being detached from nature doesn't mean that your process of discernment is down or offline. You can still go into that process of discernment, but there's a difference. The difference is you see an eagle in the metaverse come and pick up this fish and go and eat it. Same exact experience. And some part of you knows a human programmed this, right? it's not a mystery a human programmed this now maybe 100,000 years in the future we come we forget that you know the metaverse and all these things didn't just happen didn't just grow out of nature humans built it which i guess could be looked at as grown out of nature so the interesting thing about it is is like we are separating ourselves from nature and with the 5g grid going up um, we're going to start seeing a lot more problems with nature because trees have to be cut down because it's blocking the 5G signals. Uh, rain is absorbing it. It's also causing massive health problems, not just in humans, but also in bees, migratory birds, butterflies. So we're already witnessing an extinction event in slow motion. That's what you know. humanity in the 1900s all the way up to today is experiencing is an extinction event in slow motion, we have enough time to where we can talk about it. And we can say we need to stop this, or we need to change this. And we're pointing the finger around. But the bottom line is, is the psychedelics. I've I've heard a lot of people from Terrence McKenna, or Terrence McKenna, all the way to his brother, Dennis McKenna say, I think psychedelics are causing us to want to help nature out because nature is dying. And then I've also heard people say, I think psychedelics are here just in time for this extinction event to help us adapt to the future that we're about to step into. That's a horrifying thought, that psychedelics aren't here to save the day and we're gonna go back to a world with all, these, all this biodiversity and you know, incredible nature that it might be there to help our DNA mutate, and to help us adapt to stressors like, you know, it's not just the sun giving off radiation anymore. It's every 5G tower and satellite up in the sky that's bombarding our systems. And the psychedelics may be here to help us adapt to this new technotronic future. Humans are fusing with technology. Mm. Psychedelics may actually help that along. I I, want to end this rant on this. It's very easy for us to, Marshall McLuhan has this quote, We drive into the future using our rearview mirrors only, meaning the way that we dictate how we should move into the future is predicated upon what we believe and what we've learned by looking into the rearview mirrors into the past. And so we have this human way of saying, this is good. This is bad. This is right. This is wrong. We should do this. We shouldn't do that, right? We have all these ways of shoulding and shouldning life. One thing that psychedelics has shown me is don't hold on to your beliefs of what should or shouldn't be the Tao Taoism. The Tao Te Ching even says this life is change. The whole thing about life is change. And that doesn't mean we should just go limp and say, all right, whatever, transhuman future. Come on. I guess you're cool. Now that Ben said that like, no, I I don't think that's the way. I think we need to hold I think what the awakening is, there's an awakening happening right now. Psychedelics are part of it, but I think conspiracy is a part of it. I think the fact that the world is changing rapidly, I think this extinction event is part of our awakening in slow motion as well. So we're having this awakening and we're coming to terms with the fact that it's almost like politics, man. You stand for what you believe in. And a lot of us are like, I will not compromise on this, 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 or this. Okay. Will you compromise on this? Oh man, that's that's too close to grooming people for, you know, like pedophilia and stuff like that and you know, I don't know if you've heard in school, you know, these kids, these influencers, you know, young kids stripping on stage down to their underwear, oh, yeah, stripping yeah. on stage for money. And the people on the right are like that's grooming and the people on the left are like come on, get over your prude blah 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 and and it's like okay, but where do you stand? What if you're very against abortion. You're very against taking the guns from the people and you're fairly firm on kids not stripping down to their underwear and and you know getting paid money. I'm just hypothetical. If the left was really this close to taking your guns away from you, would you be a little bit lenient in grooming children? This is what politics is all about. And don't, don't worry about answering that question. I'm bringing up a hypothetical because this is what politics is all about, man. And this is what I think a lot of people are starting to wake up to. I don't live in a world full of a bunch of altruistic people. When I was born, I was a little kid. I thought humans, or I thought adults had their shit together. I thought they were intelligent. Now I grow up and I realize that they're wounded children that grew up but never grew up, if you will. And a lot of them are into pedophilia. A lot of them are into really, really sick stuff, right? Some of them are into killing children unborn. Some of them are into killing children up to six hours or two days after they're born, right? Some of them, you know, by the way, the Spartans did that. If you were deformed, they would throw you off a cliff. So, we go through all these epochs and cycles of what's right, what's wrong, what should we be allowed to do, and who's going to enforce it. There's all this gray area. Like, people are like, anarchy would be great, more libertarian dream, it would be great. Okay. You do understand that that means that on the other side of town, shit can get a little weirder and it can go into a little bit more inhuman way of going because. you, you protect your own, you take care of things on a local level, and you don't bother yourself in so much foreign politics, even if it's on the other side of town. You hear where I'm going with this? Yeah. That's the world that we're stepping into. And I think psychedelics in the main IPO companies are here to also get us to open up to the fact that, uh, maybe we're going to have to make some political-style sacrifices and say, I believe firmly in this, this, and this, I kind of believe firmly in that, but I'm willing to compromise in that so these don't get affected. And psychedelics, I think, are here uh, not by the psychedelics uh, themselves, not the intelligence of the plants, but by the intelligence of the financial class to say, listen, if we want to be a one world, if we want a one world government, if we want one world regulation, guess what we need to have? We need to have trace and track technology everywhere, knowing what you're up to. But hey, if you're into grooming and that's not illegal anymore in this part of town, go to that part of town and do that, do that creepy stuff over there. I think we're headed into a world where the Hunger Games may not be far off, and I'm being perfectly serious about that. Um, that was almost uh, a vision, I believe, that had for Australia when they started dropping off... Um, Criminals in Australia, like it was a prison island. I think we're stepping into a weirder world than we understand. And that's why psychedelics are now going to be household um, pill bottles
0: man that's so interesting, and you know I have to agree with so much of that it it's we live in fascinating and terrifying times at the same time. I want to get to um, your ideas and and maybe uh, thoughts on solutions and and possible um, individual accountability during these times, but I do want to touch on the health and pharmaceutical aspects that have been uh, kind of grooming us to this transhuman uh, era that we're going to. It seems like with everything that we've been fed, all the food, all the medicines, all the pharmaceuticals, it's changing uh, us on you know a level, a DNA level, on a biological level, to where we're not the same humans that we used to be. And it makes me wonder if we're being bred to be a part of this, you know, metaverse, to be a part of this technological age, to where we don't have to rely on our you know just traditional self. On our own bodies on that you know the way humans used to heal themselves naturally you know
1: yeah yeah um yeah uh, i'm i'm of the belief and i'll say this is because of all my research and then also just you know uh, an intuition the more i look at it the world is like this grand experiment right now and a lot of it is being run by the financial class and it comes from something that's, you know, a little bit older and may look a little bit more like magic, Enochian magic coming from the, mid, uh, you know, medieval times. I believe that what we're really seeing, um, especially in health and in medicine um, and in agriculture, with genetically modified foods and stuff like that, um, if you look at how genetic modification happens, it's not new. Humans didn't invent genetic modification. Viruses have been doing it for you know, hundreds of millions or billions of years. And probably before that, if there really is life on other planets, depending on your, your viewpoint of what the planet is and all that. So viruses have been genetically and parasites and bacteria have been genetically modifying other creatures. It's just, it's something that's been happening for quite some time. Now that human intelligence has been mixed with it, it's on an accelerated path. So Much of what you'll get in a grocery store, which is now the main way people get their food, which is interesting, you know, like that's a blip in that's a blink of an eye in historical terms that we go to the store and get our food primarily. And you're lucky if you find a house that has a garden and people that actually eat from their very own garden. You're lucky. That's brand new in history. So you want to talk about transhuman where we were in it before any technology had to be applied to us. You know, these are the stepping stone processes of it. And now we're eating in those grocery stores to finish that point. We're eating a lot of food that's genetically modified, whether we know it or not all the way to keto. You know, my wife was just saying like, man, everything's keto these days, everything like keto bar, buy this keto bar. And it's, it's got tons of sugar in it. And I was like, you know, why that works legally is because if that's the only sugar you get for the day, you will stay in ketosis, meaning it's not a keto bar. Like it's just a bar like most other bars, but they're labeling it in a different way. So to stay on point, the genetic modification of humans has been happening for quite some time. Recently, since 2020, and even before that, it's been part of the public zeitgeist that's like, whoa, wait a minute, what, if this was created in a lab, Now, remember what I told you, viruses have been changing DNA for a long time. So if this was created in a lab and was spread to millions of people, then if you think about that, you could look at that as a genetic modification experiment by a very small group of people spread across the world. And now if there's even signature entrainment, meaning it doesn't have to be a piece of technology, but if you can detect remotely who's had COVID and who hasn't, then you know exactly where that technology is spread. You know whose genetic material has been modified. So now we're getting into the point where the technologies that are coming about in the Internet of Bodies um, all the way to transcranial stimulation to implants in the brain that can cause for potential, let's say, um, pedophiles to have the, those um, urges suppressed before they even emerge. Now, everyone's going to cheer for that, right? Oh, well, of course, do it to the pedophiles, right? But where does that technology go from there? You think they're going to stop at the pedophiles? They'll come up with a way And when I say they, there's a very specific they. It's not just the general deep state. Um, They will come up with a way to make sure that this implanting or transcranial stimulation can be even, even more remote and affect all demographics. Eventually, that's the wet dream of the financial class is to have everything data mined. Everything comes down to data and information transfer. So... That's where the transhuman agenda is really going is, again, we we're stuck in this slow motion transition. It's not just going to happen overnight. We're stuck in this tra- slow motion transition to where we can eventually be hijacked remotely. And I do believe that the beam forming technology inside 5G uh, will have an ability to be able to tap into any let's say chemtrails or you know whatever that's dropped nanoparticles and you've breathed it in or you've somehow got, it's in the water supply, you got it into your body, you have nanoparticles inside you, now beam-forming technology with uh, 5G will be able to isolate you in space and time and affect the frequency of your body. This isn't Star Trek or Star Wars way, way off in the future. This is already present. You know, this already present in 1983, the Monroe Institute um, Department of the Army was talking about decoupling the brain hemispheres with vibration alone remotely. So this is this is where I believe it's headed. I can go deeply into like different offshoots of where I think the, the transhuman agenda is going. But I believe that to answer your question about personal accountability and what can we do. I really believe that the, you know, the deepest solution we can find is we really need to start our, self, our, our self-discovery process, meaning we really need to go, and yes, meditation, but it's, it's deeper than just sitting down, closing your eyes in lotus position and meditating. It's really deeply reflecting upon all of your behaviors, all of your actions, all of your words, and understanding that there's a driver that drives all these things before they get to the point where you act. And the reason I say that is most people, they don't know why they behave the way they behave. And if, if I were to ask you, why did you just do that? And there are studies where if you actually decouple the brain hemispheres and you let somebody with their right eye look at a beautiful prairie and then like all of a sudden you, you know, on, on the left side, you're showing pornography. They're only aware of what they're seeing with their right eye, but with the left eye, it, it still picks it up somehow. And in these studies, what they found was that all of a sudden the um, the, the pornography will flash into their eyes and the woman who's uh, in doing the test, will start blushing and giggling. And the person will ask, okay, why did you just, and by the way, the the hemispheres were surgically cut. So it's not communicating between the hemispheres. And so the the doctor would say, why did you just giggle right there? Every single time the patient would come up with an excuse that wasn't true. Oh, it's because I saw a butterfly because their, their language center didn't register the pornography. The language center only registered the prairie. And so like, oh, I guess it was the butterfly that went by. And they'll state it as fact, not I guess, like it was because of that butterfly. So this really gets down to most people do not know why they behave the way they behave. Now we're starting to get into a world like the matrix, where it's going to be more and more difficult to understand what's real reality and what's Fake news. What has been sent to my phone for me and not to other people? You know, like uh, is this really reality or is this a contrived reality to make me think a certain way? Because that's where we're headed. So the only real personal accountability solution that I can um, give to people that's free, not like go to my seminar and do a blah blah blah. No, it's it's absolutely free, and it comes down to really acknowledging. And and being present with all of your decisions and behaviors, because if you're able to introduce an intercept or a little interrupt in between input and then output, meaning your behavior, then you'll come to realize that it doesn't matter what the input is. You can gracefully control the output. And this is when you see a Buddhist monk pouring gasoline over himself and lighting himself on fire and not then screaming and trying to pat the flames out, but just sitting there almost looking like in bliss while all the nerve endings are being burnt off the skin and and he's slowly, slowly dying. Or like bodhisattvas that have experienced the deepest, darkest realities. So they... Instead of just being in bliss and living in an ashram, they go to Mexico City, one of the most polluted, crime-ridden places. And people ask, why? You could live anywhere. You could live in the most beautiful ashram. Why would you go there? Because that's where help is needed the most. The point that I'm driving at is they realize that pain and pleasure are not the reasons that we're here. They're good. They're, they're great teachers, but they're not the actual focal point of why we're here. We are here to learn. And when and we're also here to serve, we're here to learn and we're here to serve. So my grand point here is the the greatest thing that we can do is come to realize that we're going to start getting a flood, a tidal wave of false input. If we can't interrupt that before it turns into a behavior, then we'll just justify it. Oh, you know, hey, Ben, why did you kill that guy? Oh, well, it was because of blah, blah, blah. And I don't even really know because something was hijacking my neural circuitry remotely, which the technology is being worked on and perfected at this very moment. That's the point. We need to understand that your behavior can be decoupled from the input and you can sit in in an altruistic, um, beautiful space inside you, regardless of the input that's coming in. And by the way, All social media that comes through our phones is input and it's input that if you look at it predominantly is, is there to get your nervous system aroused, to feel that there's a threat in your environment and point out who the boogeyman is, Mm. right? Who's the boogeyman? Well, it's, it's all those people on the right that refuse the vaccine. That's the boogeyman. Or it's all those people on the left that are grooming kids for pedophilia. And it's, it's all this input and it's all, m- most of it is truth mixed with lies. So we'll accept it because of the 80% of truth. And then it'll keep us from being able to see it for what it really is with the 20% of lies. We're stepping into a brand new world. The matrix is real. Mm-hmm. We need self-mastery, self-ownership.
0: And you would, I would say, add to that, just unplug yourself from, from the, as much of the matrix as possible. Uh, you know, don't, don't participate in the agendas and the BS, and concentrate on your own sovereignty and where your consciousness and, and spirituality is headed, and that's what for I, me.
1: Yeah, yeah, but but so, unplug. Uh, I, I want to add a caveat to what I believe w- would work with that. Mm. Unplug from it, but if it's the direction that everything is headed, and it's it is all it's informing you also. And here's the, the paradox of it. It's not just informing you. It's trying to hijack you at the same time as it's informing you of what other people are being hijacked by. Mm. So if you unplug completely, then you don't even really know what other people are being hijacked by. Mm. So there's this thing about we you want to unplug from the full force of the danger. But there's this thing to be said about disconnecting yourself so completely because i know a lot of people that are like i just want to run off into the mountains mm. right and and avoid all of this right well then you're just you're just going to die one day maybe happy that's fine but you will have never touched community again you just hid mm. for the rest of your life so there's something about this unplug yourself to a certain extent and then when you're about to plug yourself back in that's when your mastery needs to come in i'll just remind the audience about when we're talking about psychedelics, I said integration is huge. It's it's probably number one. It's not about the mind-blowing experience. It's about how you step back into conventional reality, right? You go down to the Amazon, you, your mind is blown out. You realize it's your diet, it's TV, it's all this stuff that's um, toxifying your body and your mind. And then you come back home and everybody's just in it so naturally that you're like, ah, oh, there's this... Weird schism between that thing that I just learned and this deep groove that makes me want to just sit back down and watch the TV and eat, the, eat that same food again. So, what I think is we need to unplug to do the work of really mastering the self. But how do you battle test that? It's like the kid that came out with all this wisdom out of or all this knowledge out of college, but hasn't battle tested it to plug yourself back in. That's the way that you battle test what you've learned because a real bodhisattva, a real sage, can go to the most dangerous territory and still stay in their center. What I am saying is that the metaverse is becoming the matrix and people are dying to plug themselves into it. They're dying to plug themselves. So, what those who understand what's happening need to do is find your center. And then bring your center into some of those places. Now, I'm not telling people to go into the metaverse. I'm not tell- but, but I am saying, if you find that there is a use for your phone, if you find that there is a use for your technology, and there can be some good, exploit the good. Go in and exploit the good. Find your center to keep you from falling into the traps of the not so good and the terrible. And that is how you will use technology as a tool for the awakening, for good. But if you completely remove yourself from it, then what you're doing is you're placing a wall between you and many of your brothers and sisters that are well-intentioned, but they're actively in the matrix. So it's the difference between exiting the matrix and never going back and saying, fuck that, or being Neo and being like, send me back in because we need to rescue some more people.
0: Yes, man. I love it. Great stuff. And and there's so much more we could discuss. I'm definitely going to have to have you back on soon in the future. Uh, we could hit so many amazing topics. Uh, before you go, let the audience know where they can find you, website, uh, social media, all the good stuff.
1: Yeah, go to BenJosephStewart.com. That's uh B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H S-T-E-W-A-R-T. Dot com So Benjosephstewart.com is a storehouse for all my media. You can find all my films there, uh, except for the stuff that I did for Gaia, which is Psychedelica and Limitless. Um, you'll find uh, my podcast there. You'll find the Waking Infinity News show that I do every single Monday. So if you go to YouTube backslash by chance or fate, you will find my <clears throat> um, you know, on my YouTube channel. I have Monday content. Comes out every single Monday and is basically news. It's, it's talking about some of the hottest topics of the day, of the week. And then um, on Tuesdays, I have a subscriber section where I do exclusive content um, just for the exclusive members. So you can sign up on benjosephstewart.com. Every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, I go live on YouTube and Twitch on my podcast. So that's where you can find me, and I encourage everybody to get involved on the Discord chat, which is free. And um, That's the whole greater community talking about all the topics that I bring up.
0: Right on, man. Well, thank you so much. This was fantastic, and like I said, we'll definitely have to do
1: this again in the future. Beautiful. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you bringing me on. Good podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll definitely do it again, and until next time, everyone have an excellent evening. We'll be talking again Sunday, I think so if not Monday. We'll see you then.